Everybody ready to shoot this firecracker? Kaboom. Nachos amigos, and welcome to another fine episode of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. Once again, I am here, Petey Rave, your man with no plan. With me is none other than David Majors, DJM. How you doing, DJM? Waterproof bronze, Petey Rave. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, we're talking about another fun promotion. We're going back to WrestleCon again. We're revisiting WrestleCon. We're going to put uh, finally do because the last... there were like there were like twenty seven different shows over the course of that entire weekend. So we're we're working our way through as many of them as we can. Yeah, we were doing the final event of that weekend, uh, the one right before everyone had to drive all the way up the entire state of New Jersey, uh, in order to uh, in order to catch WrestleMania, and it's of course Dragon Gate USA Mercury Rising two thousand thirteen at uh in. Secaucus, uh, I forget where it was. In New Jersey, uh, across the street from, across the river from New York City. Uh, exciting event. Who do we have with us to talk about this event, uh, DJM? Well, we have someone from my past. Mm-hmm. Someone that does not know me simply as DJM, but knows me from all the way back in the day, as the kids like to say. All the way from back in the days in the downriver white trash hellhole of Lincoln Park, Michigan, <laughs> my long time, long, long time best friend, my original brother from another mother, evil Mog himself, Mr. Sean McNamara. Sean, what? dude, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? Just another wonderful Friday night. Yes, sir. Uh, we are, and we're talking about Dragon Gate USA. DJ, what have you had much experience or uh, with Dragon Gate USA personally? Um, I've had a little bit. Uh, I know that it is sort of the main line of the Sapolsky verse of promotions booked by Gabe Sapolsky. Uh, it is the promotion that is the offshoot of Dragon Gate in Japan. Uh, of course, Dragon Gate USA was born of the the legendary six-man tag team matches between Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor, which Gabe Sapolsky used to be the booker of, uh, mm-hmm. until he eventually left and formed his own promotions, Dragon Gate USA, Evolve, Full Impact Pro, all, the, the Sapolsky-verse. Yeah. And here we are today with Dragon Gate USA being a mix of American indie talent and Japanese talent from Dragon Gate. Yeah. And we have a singular guest we're excited to just talk about. I also wanted, I kind of just am excited about hearing both of your thoughts on this, uh, event and we can get started. Um, it starts off with some, uh, fun stuff, specifically seeing Soldier Ant once again 
You pull, pull up this video. The first thing, first wrestler that shows up is Soldier Ant. Yes. Uh, Soldier Ant taking on somebody we've talked about before previously on our Pro Wrestling Gorilla episode, Anthony Nice. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I guess, maybe a little bit of the context of these guys and a little bit more about them, DJM. Well, this was the opening match of this show. Soldier Ant, of course, a mainstay of a little wrestling promotion you might have heard of, heard us mention on this show once or twice called Shikara. And Tony, Tony Nice, a recent TNA standout, of course, getting released, but because TNA is stupid, uh, becoming something of a standout on the indies, uh, building his brand, as it were, as the premier athlete. In professional wrestling, and I'll be darned if he doesn't make a case in this match. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what did you think? Did you, what, did you have any expectations going into this uh, event at all? And then also, what did you think, uh, of it once it started, uh, kicking off? Uh, once it was dropped my way, I was under the impression that, hey, all right, we're going to get to see a good old fashioned, uh, Indie promotion, which is something that DGM has, uh, privileged me to, uh, in the past with a few ROH shows. Um, I'm, hate to say I'm more of a WWE fan, so I kind of knew what I was expecting, and, uh, this did not disappoint. Yeah. And then what did you think of the opening contest? And, um, honestly, as far as the opening contest goes, uh, Tony Nese came out, uh, Kind of looking like a Chris Benoit. He had the technical wrestling, he had the speed, he had the power moves, and honestly, that whole match, Soldier Ant kind of just uh, turned up to me as uh, like it was a jobber. Like <laughs> that match was to was to sort of push Tony Nese forward. Yeah, a- and it was uh, because in the end, it was about Tony Nese uh, building his brand because I guess he has a marketing degree, and it is the year 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, and now he has a, a staff. He has a support staff, uh, which consists of one really big dude, which I guess yes. if you think about it could add up to a support staff of three or four if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Especially if and he, he knows how to fly. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to, how to, uh, temporarily step on the top rope in order to fly, uh, and do a big splash on the poor fire ant. Uh, yeah. This is a big Bubba Rogers looking dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Tony Nice, and we talked about it before. He's, he's a all around talented dude and he's cut like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, he is built. Uh, and again, talking- there will be, there will be more than a couple of examples in this show of TNA letting people, people go because they're really dumb, but we'll yeah. get into that later. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, an opening contest, really energetic. Anthony Nice building his brand. Oh, we talked about it before. Cool guy. Alright, up next is, I'm gonna have to give the context to this event because I don't believe you'll know what, why this match even exists or why it happened, uh, DJM. Uh, but I know because I was at the event that it did happen at. I, well, I barely know. <laughs> so, Caleb Conley and Scott Reed used to be a team by the name of The Scene. Under the guy by the name of Larry Dallas. Uh, do you, are you aware of the man known as Larry Dallas, DJM? I am aware of Larry Dallas, indeed. 
Yeah, and they were in the scene, and then also uh, I just want to say before this match starts off, uh, there there is a bit of a pet peeve of mine that, that is happening uh, that that really came to light in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say to the indie wrestling fan community, the whole booing of any referee that's not Bryce Remsburg, it's kind of an old bit now. I mean, don't get me wrong, we all love Bryce Remsburg. He he's awesome. He's hilarious. But, uh, it's not, not a reason to boo every other, other referee there is. I mean, I like BJ Drummond. I like Brian Gorey because he's got a Detroit connection. I think mm-hmm. the sheriff, John Barber, is alright. There's no need to boo other referees just because they're not Bryce Remsburg. So yeah. stop that. Stop yeah. that right now. You stop that. You stop that right now. Bad. But yeah, Scott Reed, Caleb Conley used to be in the scene. And then for some, whatever reason, Caleb Conley had a change of heart. The night prior, uh, and I'm talking about the night prior at, uh, Open the Ultimate Gate, where he says, I'm sick of the chicks and the booze and the partying. I wanna, I wanna get rid of ourselves with Larry Dallas. I no longer want the booze and the partying. And, uh, Scott Reed said, uh, I like the booze and the partying. And then they turned on him. And then they created this match. And there's your context. <laughs> I think that's good enough. I mean, this whole thing, really, with you describing it, this all felt very, this felt very wrestling 101 to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was able to pick up on it really easily. Yeah, I, th- I think they explained the entire story more or less before the bell rang. I think I knew yeah. what was going on prior to it also. And, yeah. and you could see who, who was, who was the douchebag and who was the guy that was not as much of a douchebag anymore. The douchebag yeah. always has the girl. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way life is. <sighs> um, but yeah, right, Scott Pedro? Reed. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I, I, I'm all right. I'm all right. I guess right. I hit a touchy subject. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. we'll leave girls out. Uh, anyways, uh, Scott Reed, Caleb Conley. Uh, now, Sean, what did you think of this contest? I mean, it's wrestling 101. You, what did you think of like the actual wrestling itself, the match? Uh, the match itself was. More or less wrestling 101. Um, everything yeah. throughout that entire fight seemed pretty generic, even to the point where, hey, it's a feud and the numbers game is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I think that's pretty much how it uh, sums it up. I think uh, Caleb, Conley, Caleb Conley has an interesting look, if nothing else, for that uh, highlight in his hair, whatever. And he's he's good at minding the merch table. I'll tell you that. He's good at minding the merch table and the ticket tables. That's he's got a good skill at that. I will tell you that as somebody who saw him there. But yeah, it was a match. It happened. Let's move on to something a little more exciting. We got uh another pair of former former Chikara mainstays, current pro, pro wrestling gorilla mainstays, the Super Smash Brothers, uh taking on Eric Cannon and Sammy Callahan, the, the dirty, dirty ugly, ugly fellows. Fuck. The dirty, fellows. ugly fellows. 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 Yes. Uh, Sammy Callen, of course, is doing things over in Florida. I, I yep, imagine he, everyone's he, aware. He's moved to Orlando. He, he'll, he'll be on TV sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing, uh, doing things, hitting people in the face with his knee, you know, making funny I, faces. I hear, I hear he wants pants now too, because his name now is, um, Solomon Grundy. Uh, yes. So e- even though he's been signed and has a contract, uh, he he still does not wear pants. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue. I think it's something that we need to, uh, rally around and help him out with that. Uh, Kickstarter. Yes. Kickstarter. Uh, but yeah, Super Smash Brothers, uh, Dirty Ugly Fellows. What, what could we say about this, uh, contest, DJM? I know I've said many, many times that uh, I am a big, big fan of the anarchist Eric Cannon. Uh, Sammy Callahan, I can take or leave. Uh, the Super Smash Brothers I love. So this was pretty, pretty enjoyable for me. Um, something that really blew me away in this match. A guy that we have talked about at length in numerous episodes of the Fanny Pack Wrestling Podcast. Mm-hmm. Drew Gulak was on commentary. Yes. And what is the one thing that I have said about Drew Gulak since the inception of this show? Uh bland. Yeah, he he was he's a bit lacking in the personality department. Yeah. But hey, look at that. He's on commentary and he wasn't that bad. All right. That yeah. Was he the guy so that I could hardly hear? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. He had his moments where he, he 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 was on point as far as commentating and as far as uh, keeping track of the action. He wasn't as good as uh, keeping on the mic, apparently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah every he, time he talked, he sounded like he was a thousand miles away. I was like, wait. I, I think he kept okay. like turning maybe to the side and you know, kind of drifting away, maybe looking at something. Cause, yeah, that, that's how it sounded like. Uh, but, anyway, Sean, what did you think of this tag team contest? Uh, honestly, I loved it. This was probably one of my first encounters with, uh, Dragon, Dragon Gate tag team rules, and, mm-hmm. um, I was very impressed with it. Um, kinda, kinda similar to the old fashioned tornado tag team matches, except, mm-hmm. There is still just two legal men rather than the entire fray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, this Dragon Gate USA rules are very similar to something that we've uh, talked about with Chikara events. Chikara uh, rules, basically, it's the lucha tag rules. Twenty count on the outside. If you roll on the outside, counts as good as a tag, and that basically keeps things rolling. Uh, it's more or less how they effectively work in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla as well. Uh, though they don't explicitly use these same rules. But yeah, it's the, 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 the tag man, the, 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 you know, lucha tag, lucha style. It, uh, it's, it's the whole, you know, fuck the tag rope thing. Fuck. <laughs> it's yeah, 2013. What's the tag yeah. rope? Exactly. 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 Uh, and uh, yeah, what, what was your impression of the Super Smash Brothers themselves? Uh, I like them. They are, very coordinated for how different they are like yeah. just their very first like the very first uh exchange that they had what was it uh pile drive cradle kick to the head pile drive double pin that was yeah pretty unique yeah. pretty unique yeah. they've spent quite a bit of time together to, enough to make some great uh offense that some great coordinated offense like the get over here uh, just classic things, you know, more like the Hadouken, uh, uh, the Hadouken palm strike by Player Uno, the Player in, in, Uno. In Shikara and, and various other indies, uh, Sean, the, the Super Smash Brothers, as coined by their name, 
are known to use a a good bit of video game based offense. Uh, mm-hmm. In recent times in in indie wrestling, there has been a very large influx of video game and anime based offense, and yes. it's kind of fantastic. Yes. Yep, and you could hear all their moves, which I love. Yes. Which is just like a traditional anime. You can't do your move without screaming the name of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just some fantastic moves. Like, uh, anytime, uh, every time Player Uno does the, uh, I'm catching your foot, hey ref, hold on to this for me, and then he does the neck breaker, is always a beautiful moment. Uh, to me at least. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Super Smash Bros. Are, are fantastic. I always like those moments that hearken to video games or to fighting games. Even if it's not a full, especially if, even if it's not a direct reference, just those little moments, really cool thing. And I'm talking, I'm going to talk about little moments later on for the main event. Uh, but yes, ex- ex- excellent tag team action. But speaking of excellent action, uh, I don't know. That, that's the best segue I can come up with. Uh, we have coming up, uh, as we had, you know, Juke Gulak on commentary, we have the head of the Gentleman's Club, Chuck Taylor, with the Gentleman Club in tow, taking on Brian Kendrick. Chuck Taylor, Brian Kendrick, DJM. This match was a really interesting story. Chuck Taylor, who, who, in a lot of ways, could be considered already a modern indie wrestling legend, uh, taking on a real indie wrestling legend in Brian Kendrick, uh, also known as Spanky, a Ring of Honor original, as it were, uh, for a couple of seconds in time, a former WWE champion, uh, and yeah, kind of a big deal. Although I found the story and the commentary of this match to be very odd because Lenny Leonard and Drew Gulak were kind of trying to portray Brian Kendrick as like Randy the Ram Robinson (laughs) and was like, it's spanky. He's not that old. God. (laughs) He's not. And, And, and Chuck Taylor is, of course, amazing, and Brian Kendrick is still amazing, so this match itself was guaranteed to be pretty good. Yeah. Sean, what what did you think? Honestly, this match uh, really caught my eye. I found Swamp Monster, and I just lost track of the match. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yes. That happens. Yes. Yes. Swamp I'm, I'm sorry about that one. I got man. nothing on this except Swamp Monster. Yes. Swamp Monster is, for those that are not aware, Swamp Monster is a venerable character on the Gentleman's Club. Uh, a member of the, uh, a very, uh, representative, proud member of the LB- LGBT community. I think a champion of the cause. Somebody, somebody people can look up to, uh, in the LGBT community, uh, which is really great, but a fantastic wrestler in his own right. Not the best hygiene in the world, but still a good guy. Still a good guy. Right, DJM? I, I think you could almost say that the Swamp Monster is probably the most gentlemanly member of the Gentleman's Club. Ironic with him being, you know, a monster. Swamp Monster. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, of course, you know, the, the, the characters in tow and the, the, the fantastic, uh, crazy moments in this match. Uh, like, I, I don't even think I, I mentioned this before. Uh, if you were not aware, if you haven't heard our previous WrestleCon based episodes, I was there live. 
I was in attendance and it was, uh, definitely an interesting experience watching it live and, uh, trying to follow all the craziness, trying to, uh, hope that, uh, nobody uh, hurt, uh, the, the Colonel Nolan, uh, Colonel Nolan Angus, uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. Keeping track of him. I believe he's a doctor. I believe he's doctor, a doctor. Doctor Colonel Nolan Angus. Yes. A- and a veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wheelchair bound. <laughs> in fact, wheelchair bound throughout the entire event. So <laughs> even uh, out in the merch table, which is just fantastic. I mean, well, not fantastic. No, he was hopefully. he was walking at the end of this match. Yeah. Yeah. It was a miracle, yeah. and then he broke his legs again. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I think it's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's a bit of a drinker as well, I would say, which is, you know, kind of an understatement. Uh, if you've seen the Gentleman's Club. Uh, but yeah, fantastic match. Brian Kendrick, Chuck Taylor. Uh, the, the, there's not, not much you can really say. They're just fantastic athletes. Uh, speaking of fantastic athletes. Awkward segue. I, I, I want Chuck Taylor to get signed and make millions of dollars so badly because I, Me too. I he, he's been one of, if not the most enjoyable guys on the indies for a really, really long time. And yeah. I feel like maybe in a year or two, he's going to reach that point that Daniel Bryan got to or, or CM Punk got to or, or even El Generico got to where eventually that there's just nothing left for him to do. He's just he's just too awesome not to sign. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping that happens. Yeah, me too. Uh but speaking of more athletic action, we had the ladders are legal fray, uh with Uha Nation, Matt and Nick Jackson of the Umbucks, AR Fox, Facade, Samurai Del Sol, and Christina Von Erie taking on each other. Uh, this was a, a crazy match. This one starts, uh, legal's, uh, legal, ladders are legal fray. It starts off with two contestants. Slowly but surely, one by one, we get the, all the other contestants. Uh, bunch of talent that kind of goes across the board. DJM, what, could, what kind of context could we give for Sean about these guys and <laughs> this kind of action? You know, sometimes an indie wrestling show just needs a show with a bunch of guys doing flippy stuff. Yeah. And you had a bunch of guys doing flippy stuff. Cause a bunch of guys in indie wrestling doing flippy stuff never stops being awesome. Yes. No, I never would. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I gotta say my favorite one in this was definitely Matt Hardy. That was, who's this Matt Jackson guy? That was Matt Hardy. Looks exactly that- like him. That would be the older Buck, Nick Jackson. Up, oh, scratch Nick. that, Matt Jackson. Matt, Matt Jackson. Jackson is Matt. Remember, Hardy. You, yes. That's Remember, you're that, the one that, that taught me this. Uh, how to figure them apart. Matt Jackson is Matt Hardy, and Nick Jackson is the other one. <laughs> Matt Nick is action Matt. Yes. Uh, and of course, you know, guys like A.R. Fox impressing once again, like. Uh, Ayer Fox is another guy that is going to be, and we said it time and time again on this podcast, that's going to make a name for himself. Uh, also a guy that is just, I, I hope he stays around more and maybe I need to watch more Dragon Gate USA. Uha Nation. Yes. He is. Yes. Everything Bobby Lashley is not. Yes. And, and everything that Bobby Lashley was. And that much more. Yeah. 
Uh, he is, he is a fantastic character, persona, and wrestler. Uh, he's, seeing him live is even more impressive. Uh, watching him over the course of the weekend, cause, uh, you know, he was at, on the Evolve show, the Dragon Gate, both Dragon Gate shows. Seeing him over the course of the weekend was just impressive. He's a big motherfucker. <laughs> and he can move. And his, uh, shooting star back, uh, a moonsault, uh, finisher is just impressive for a guy and impact, impactful for a guy his size. It's just amazing. Uh, and also another guy who's residing in Florida right now with a new name, Samurai Del Sol. Oh, have they, have they come out with his name yet? I think it was, uh, what was it? Uh, something, 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 something. Uh, uh that's a Cal- terrible Calis- name for a Lucha Star. Yes. Something, something, something dark side. Yes. Wait, what, what? Yeah. Uh, Callisto. Not to be confused with the Tissed Metal villain, which is Calypso. Also not to be, also not to be confused with the star of Ally McBeal. Yes. (laughs) Callisto. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Callisto and está listo. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, uh, the same thing I said about Chuck Taylor, you pretty much have to feel the same way about the young bucks. They do, and like Chuck Taylor, they do so many horrible things that they have gone past the point where y- you want to hate them and you want to see them get beat up that now you just love them for being <laughs> terrible and, and yes. being mean. And yes. when, when Matt Jackson came out and was like, who wants to see a dive? <laughs> and of course, you know, he's not going to do one because it's the young butts and they're meta. And of course, I love all things meta. And yes. of course, this match had the patented Young Bucks cartwheel handspring back rank, yes. which is probably my favorite move in wrestling right now. Yes, oh, it's one of those amazing moves. It, it's just it it that it, it's just a beautiful commentary on anything, and I love that it, you know a team, any wrestler can be. You can say about them that they make an ingenious commentary on the world of professional wrestling and that they are skillfully meta uh because it's it's not it's not a a profession that has necessarily had a history of self-awareness per se uh but yeah it's always refreshing to see the shaking of the hands uh yeah, just some great moments uh here in uh, the young. Also, this was this was also the match where uh Christina Von Erie had uh, a cameo as well. Yeah, Christina Von Erie uh this time with a Mohawk unlike the Shimmer show with we talked about uh before. Nick Jackson had something to get that stuff Mohawk uh right before she got eliminated his third super kick all Mohawk. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah. Uh but yeah. Exciting, uh, match, excitement, action, packed. Speaking of exciting and action packed, next up we had Orange Cassidy versus John Davis. Alright, Petey. <laughs> I, I, am just gonna say this. Orange I Cassidy. Hate Orange He's Cassidy. He's my hero right now. I don't get it. He's my hero. There's I, nothing to get. I, I, I don't, I don't dislike Orange Cassidy. 
In fact, I, I would almost say that I, I think he's all right, but I don't get it. Like, what, what is going on with Orange Cassidy? Like, what's, I think, what, what's the deal? Uh, I think it's, the deal is futility. And he doesn't care. You know who I don't get? I, I asked this elsewhere, and someone said to me simply, Orange Cassidy is a severe alcoholic. Yes. He is freshly squeezed. Freshly squeezed yeah. Orange Cassidy. But that, you know that helps me none, Petey Ray. I know that's his <laughs> nickname. But that helps me none. What the hell is Orange Cassidy about? Like what seriously, I don't get it. Like I think I, I think I'm so lost with him. I don't understand I, it at all. I think it's more fun with uh with more fun opponents. Uh because I think when he's on he has a drunken master style thing where, you know, he's like an airbender. He just kind of is good at getting out of the way or falling out of the way. Here's the thing. Here's who I don't get. John Davis. Why is John Davis and who is John Davis? John Davis was a member of a really good tag team with Corey Chavis called the Dark City Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a really good tag team uh, that were from Florida, started in FIP, made it up to Ring of Honor during the glory days, had a really good tag team feud with the Kings of Wrestling over the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, and then Corey Chavis just kind of stopped wrestling. And since then, John Davis has just kind of been walking the earth like Kane from Kung Fu. Yeah, because this entire weekend... I was completely confused and underwhelmed by John Davis because his whole shtick. He, he was he was very much a a tag team guy, and without his tag team partner, he's he's not even Christian. He he's yeah. not even Marty Tanetti. Yeah, he, he's he's John Davis. Yeah, and and like and the talking about uh, Orange Cassidy's. Thing I understood, like, is if they have kept going into this match, his, I understood what, how his piece fit into the puzzle and him dodging through sheer luck or through, you know, sheer will, you know, the falling out of the way stuff. But John Davis, John Davis, why, what is his reason for just turning around and clotheslining the referee? He pissed him off. Uh, how? Um... This angry and, black man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I got. He's just like fuck you, ref, and just done. And and I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, it's like all it was was a reason to disqualify him, uh, an arbitrary reason to disqualify him in order to get Orange Cassidy win or to make and, and to make him look mean, like he's a mean Pretty guy. He's, he's a meanie pants. It's like, he's a meanie. And he makes an appearance later on in the evening to, in order to be a, a, a baseless, mean person. Meany pants. Yeah, mean pants. I blame pants Swamp McGee. Monster again. <sighs> Swamp Monster. He wasn't at that match. Yeah, yeah. He was minding his own business, and suddenly John Davis pe- beats him up. Well, but that, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We don't know that. Yeah. Anyways. Moving on to the kind of the something that is a carryover connection to the original Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate USA, uh, 
holding a traditional six man tag, uh, with Ricochet, with, uh, uh, Johnny Gargano being joined by Ricochet and Rich Swan of the Inner City Machine Guns. Them of also, if you are following the, uh, Dragon Gate proper, uh, they are also members, I believe, of World One International, uh, faction. Taking on... At least at that time, they probably joined three different factions in the last, you know, four months. Because yeah, Dragon Gate. Yeah, because Dragon Gate. Taking on, uh, open the Dream Gate champion, Shima. Uh, I forgot to mention Johnny Gargano obviously opened the Freedom Gate champion. Open the Dream Gate champion, Shima, and a couple of youngsters by the name of Ada and Tomahawk Titi. Who, by the way, through some, uh, sleuthing, I found out that his all, his name, Either also is or at one point once at uh, one point was Mr. Pee Pee, uh, because that is what the audience kept chanting throughout the weekend when he was around. They were chanting Mr. Pee Pee, and I was, was this in Japan or, or the states? This was in the states. Well, the the Mr. Pee Pee yeah. name was in Japan. The chanting happened this week that that same weekend. <laughs> Oh, that, that's the name they gave him in, in Japan? Yes. Oh, Mr. PP. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, but Tamak Titi, Ada Shima versus Johnny Gargano and the Inner City Machine Guns. Uh, what, 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 what can we, what can we say about these competitors and these guys, uh, DJM? Like, we, we, you're, you're stuck with Johnny Gargano, but we, you got him with a spoonful of Ricochet and Rich Swan. So, was and, that enough to, uh, to, I'm always happy. I can I can tolerate Johnny Gargano when he's surrounded by guys that I like. The Inner City Machine Guns being two perfect examples. Rich Swan, aka the young black Chris Jericho, and Ricochet, Come on, baby. who is the undeniable best high flyer in the universe. Yes, uh, taking on Shima, who I love, and. Ata and Tomahawk TT, who looked all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that I think if this were on a Dragon Gate show in Japan with Dragon Gate proper, this match probably would have been a lot better. But it really did not kick off and go into a really high gear uh, that I that I normally expect from Dragon Gate six man tag team matches like this. I usually expect. A little more, but, um, uh, not saying it was bad. Uh, I, I can't even say that it was, I will say that it was pretty good, but usually with Dragon Gate six man tags like this, I'm expecting to have my mind blown mm-hmm. and this didn't really quite do it. But that's what you think. That's your opinion. That's like your opinion, man. Uh, Sean, what did you think? Uh, I kind of partially have to agree with them. Um, considering it was a six man tag with Dragon Gate rules, it never really seemed to get to like a mm-hmm. super high speed. Sean, you were with me on the Ring of Honor shows when they were in Detroit and had the, the first Dragon Gate, bleh, Dragon Gate challenge, right? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> yeah, like, so, wait, 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 what? So, what? Pete, like, like me, Sean has seen Dragon Gate six man tags live mm-hmm. and in person. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this, this fight seemed like a closer to a traditional 
six man tags. I think I actually saw some actual tags also, which kind of <laughs> threw me off. It's like, why the hell are you tagging? Just jump out of the ring. Shit. <laughs> it's Dragon Gate, guys. Yeah. Maybe they forgot that part. Maybe yeah, they maybe, forgot that part. Maybe. Uh, Either I have way. to say, yeah, yeah. But I have to say, I, I, I pretty much, yeah, I agree. It was, it was a really good match, but, you know, obviously it wasn't what you would expect from it. Uh, I, I, though I haven't had experience with it, I imagined what it would be, and this is not what I imagined it would be, but PD? it was a fun yeah. match. We are going to do Dragon Gate proper, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is the plan. Uh, and okay. we'll get a preview in a second of, of what that is. But, yeah, I have to ask you, Sean. Uh, this is something that, uh, I've been, I was exposed to live. Something that, uh, DJM, uh, maybe, I, I don't know if he's had experience with it. Uh, there's something really in fun, uh, that happens at the beginning of this match. Uh, specifically the entrance of one's Ricochet and Rich Swan. Their entrance music being All Night Long by Lionel Richie. How beautiful yes. is that? That has got to be oh what's a word i'm looking for uh i guess bizarre would be it's <laughs> not something you would expect it's like really it's like of every single possible song in the entire and, spectrum and occasionally rich that. occasionally rich swan sings yes occasionally rich swan rich swan sings and beautifully so he swings sings it yeah you know what that probably would have sold so. it for me yeah, and he did that, uh, before, and I've said before at the be- beginning of the Evolve show before they went on air, he walked out acapella, acapella, Rich Swan, uh, singing all night long by Lionel Richie. Uh, but yeah, it, live was a little bit better because I don't think the mics picked up on the audience singing along. I don't know if, if how much of it picked up, but we were all singing along <laughs> with the song, the chorus, just like, all night long, all night. And it was, it was just a, a fun experience, but yeah, inner city machine guns are, are fantastic. But yeah, this match was a really cool, really good match. But yeah, I understand where you guys are coming from that, that it doesn't quite stack up to what the history has set up for it to become. But I have to ask you, Sean, how did you feel about the, the post match antics of one's Johnny Gargano? Uh, kind of caught me off guard. I thought he was actually, like I said, uh, first time actually seeing this, so I'm not sure about Gargano's uh, background or anything, but yeah, I thought he was going to do the whole respectful, hey, we had a good fight or whatever it was, but hey, look, John Davis. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, in order I, to I, say I almost that... forgot about that part as I'm running through it. It's like, wait a second, John Davis rolled in there and just leveled everybody. Yeah. Well, I don't uh, want to I will give some context because Johnny Gargano the previous night took on Shingo, who we'll see in a, in a moment, who we'll talk about in a moment. Took on Shingo, defended his open the Freedom Gate Championship. Uh, it was a, you know, one of them knockdown drag out fights. Uh, at some point, I guess he decided he wasn't going to win. Uh, he accidentally, uh, hit the, re- uh, knocked the referee uh, out, uh, with his elbow. And he proceeded to kick Shingo in the balls. And start to choke him out with the chain, per, up with the chain assisted Gargano escape. The referee could not see the chain, so he just checked on the hand and uh, awarded the match to Johnny Gargano. And then post match, uh, he seemingly sarcastically asked the audience if he if they enjoyed the match, and if they enjoyed the evening, and that he loved them. 
and uh, to have a great uh, uh, drive home uh, and that he loved them. Uh, and then, of course, he carried this over into this uh, event where after, you know, after the match, he proceeds to tell Shima, it's like, I'm good. It feels good to know that the, my Open the Freedom Gate title is on the same level as your Open the Dream Gate championship and kind of me is reestablishing that delusional thing that he had going for him, uh, from the previous night. And Fantastic. of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's basically is they were establishing at the moment his, uh, new delusional heel. Uh, persona, and he proceeds to call himself the hero of all the fans. I am your hero. I'm doing this for you, and beats up Rich Swan. Which, why you gotta beat up Rich Swan? Which is the worst thing you can do if you want to be people's hero. Yeah, come on. Everybody likes Rich Swan. Yeah, Rich Swan is a beautiful human being. Certainly pissed off Ricochet. Ricochet is going to take his title. Yeah, Ricochet is hopefully uh, that would be cool to see Ricochet. Get any, Ricochet is long overdue for a title. For a billion titles. He should, he should, ha- we should, uh, he's one of those guys, and I, there's like a list, but that should have a picture of himself like Mike Quackenbush or Ultimo Dragon with like multiple titles. Um, but yeah, the, that was the Dragon Gate USA main event, and we have the main event to go, uh, left. We have one more match left, the Dragon Gate main event with Shingo and Akira Tozawa, but first, I want to ask you, Sean, you, th- at, at, at this point, you got to see the brand that is Dragon Gate USA. What did you think of the brand that is Dragon Gate USA? What did you think of it overall? Overall, I'd give it a B. Honestly, a B. Um, like I said, the, the talent is there. Um, the talent's there. Um, execution, getting there. Uh, I don't know what it was. I, I just thought overall through this whole thing it just seemed rather sloppy i don't know maybe that's just me and my uh spoiledness with the wwe where if they don't do it right they make it look like they did it right um but yeah i i enjoyed it and dj seeing uh sitting through you know uh, looking at dragon gate usa as a brand and as a uh company what was your impression on this event I really want to like Dragon Gate USA. I really want to like love them. But there are some things about Dragon Gate USA that are not quite there for me. Uh, I think the talent roster has a pretty big drop off. Uh, there are a, a number of guys on the roster that are really, 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 really good. And then there's a drop off to where you've only got guys that are, eh, alright. Also, the name of the company is Dragon Gate USA. I kind of hope to see a few more of the Dragon Gate talent on a Dragon Gate USA show. Shingo, awesome. Akira Tozawa, of course. Shima, okay. Um, but, I would kind of like to see Genki Horiguchi. Uh, of course, I've said many, many times how much I love BB Hulk. Babyface or a heel, I love BB Hulk. Uh, and the list goes on from there. This show, and I understand that Gabe Sapolsky is working to build his own, his own 
uh, we've been using this word a lot on this episode, his own brand here on the western side of the world with Dragon Gate, with the help of Dragon Gate. But it's almost feeling like there there's almost getting to be less Dragon Gate than there should be. Also, indie wrestling, it is time to get some some better cameras. I know there's not a lot of money. I, I get that. But the time for video cameras that still look like they're straight from 2001 is about 12 years gone by. I'm not asking for anything crazy. I'm asking for maybe, maybe 720. And especially yeah. with how many indie companies now are trying to do live streaming and iPay-per-views, 720. Uh, I'll even say 480. 480. But it, it is time to move up from the video camera circuit 2001. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's pretty much uh, the same thought. I, 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 I was, it was a fun event to attend. And it one was more a lot thing, of fun. one more thing. Lenny Leonard, I like as a team. Uh, of course, uh, the fantastic, legendary tag team from R- Ring of Honor, uh, commentary team of Lenny Leonard and Dave Prezak, man, uh, were great. But Lenny Leonard by himself and occasionally with Drew Gulak, eh, not bad, but eh, he he needs somebody. He he needs yeah. another guy. Yeah, in yeah. all fairness, it's not him. It's just flying solo. Anyone solo is actually kind of meh. You just get sick of hearing the one person. I would say Denver, Colorado accomplishes very well. We are our. Oh, and, uh, who, who was the guy for, for the show, uh, 2CW? Uh, it was, I forget his name, but he was fantastic as well. Yeah, 2CW. Uh, uh I, I would say the play-by-play man for 2CW, he, he would be the exception. Lenny Leonard needs a color commentator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And that basically is the impression of Dragon Gate USA. Now we know, let we see, leave behind Dragon Gate USA. It is fantastic and is growing. I would say, Dragon Gate talent, it, 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 there is the, the deal of uh, it's tough to get guys to fly over, but uh, yeah, I definitely understand what you feel. There should, should be more of a Dragon Gate feel uh, to Dragon Gate USA. And, uh, and I guess I am a little biased on that because I, I genuinely love uh, the Dragon Gate product in Japan. Uh, I think they're fantastic. So uh, I guess I'm looking for a little bit more of the Dragon Gate flavor uh, to make its way to the West. If there's one indie company that I think would really catch on here in the Western world, at least with indie fans or maybe not necessarily WWE fans, but wrestling fans that are aware of a world outside of WWE, I think it would be Dragon Gate. Yeah. And, and, and that is no more evidence the, than by this event, the main event. Of Shingo taking on Akira Tozawa in a fantastic grudge match, uh, the final match of the night, a match that managed to keep the crowd from jumping out of their seats to beat traffic <laughs> in order to get to WrestleMania. Uh, Shingo or Akira Tozawa, tell us a little bit about these guys, uh, DJM. 
uh, Shingo, uh, the original big man with the mullet, all due respect and appreciation to Michael Elgin, mm-hmm. but it was Shingo that did it first. Uh, I'm sure he'd admit it too. <laughs> but still, he, both are awesome. A- yes. And Shingo is former powerlifter, former open the dream gate champion, and just an absolute monster of a man. Uh, also Akira Tozawa who really became popular thanks to an extended excursion in the U.S., working for a pro wrestling gorilla out of California in various indie companies uh, in Texas. Uh, he really, really caught on with American fans, uh, not just with the fact that he's an awesome wrestler, but along with the fact that he's kind of insane. Yes. I think <laughs> the best comparison I would make to him would probably be Chuck Taylor. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for a guy who from Japan who probably doesn't have the greatest English, his ability to interact with the crowd is outstanding. And yes. he really caught on over here. And when he went back to Japan, he kind of became one of the, I guess you could say, really young, bright, shining stars of Dragon Gate. And yeah, this, this makes for a really exciting match. If this were a Dragon Gate show on, on a big show in Japan, this could be the main event. Yes. Uh, and I was there live. I got to see this in person and I was excited. I, I was, I didn't know what to expect, but I was, uh, an- anticipating it and I sur- surely wasn't disappointed. Uh, Sean, w- what did you think of this main event and this peek into Dragon Gate proper? Uh, since I've had some experience in watching, uh, some actual Japanese wrestling, uh, via the wonderful YouTube, uh, this was down and dirty, straightforward, about as Japanese style wrestling as you could possibly get. This match honestly almost had everything. Yeah. Uh, had the fighting spirit, had the fantastic, uh, suplexes and, uh, the chops. The Japanese do love their chops. Oh, the chops. The chops. Yes. The chops. Yes. Uh, the Japanese love their, their strikes. They, they, they love to do the striking over there in the land of the rising sun. Uh, and, to, uh, Akira Tozawa, and I, I've talked about, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I, I'm a fan of the, those little ticks and twitches that people add to their, uh, to their movement and arsenal that ex- accent their wrestling moves. Like, I would say one of, uh, Glacier, <laughs> we talked about Glacier before when we did our WCW episode. Glacier has one of my favorite super Sh- kicks. Sean, Sean, you, you know about Glacier. Sure. Glacier was that- one of my favorite WCW wrestlers too, alright? Then we can just drop it right there. Like, yes. let's go, like, keep going. <laughs> yes. Everyone loves and, Glacier. And, and Glacier. And he, now you know why he has been my best friend for so yes. long. Yes, and Glacier was awesome. Glacier had one of my favorite super kicks ever because he had so many, uh, so much of how he's, uh, uh, coiled up for it and then followed through with it. And just the fact that he kind of kept his foot in the air and just was like pointed into the sky and followed through on the super kick was cool. Uh, Love him or hate him, the Miz has some really cool things that he does that remind me of us, uh, you know, fighting game characters. And, you know, I could name a, whole, a few more if like, I can like remember. Like Dan them. from Street Fighter. Yes. Uh, yes. And you know what? I love that. 
But specifically, I'm going to talk about Akira Tozawa does one really cool thing that right when he's about to run somewhere, he does a quick hop and does a quick like land, you know, land running, you know, hit the ground running thing. That little quick hop and hit the ground running thing. I love that. Like every time I saw that, it was just like that little thing that kind of made me just enjoy that moment. I don't know. Does that make sense? Am I crazy here? <laughs> we, we all have our things. <laughs> we all have our issues. No, but yeah, it, it was just that really cool, like little hop that he does and then he gets running. And like the way he runs is just that, that full sprint that he does and, and still manages to hit the rope properly. I think cause Akira Tozawa just does that really cool, like little thing that, that, that I totally dig. But yeah. Uh, any more thoughts about uh, this match, guys? I got nothing. <laughs> I think you guys summed it all up fantastically. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic uh, main event and I was there live and I think I talked about it, uh, I don't remember when we talked about WrestleCon as a whole when I was still in, uh, in the apartment of one, uh, Mike Letal, aka Aberrant, uh, our WrestleCon episode. I talked about this was one of those matches, uh, you asked me, you know, back to way back when, you know, if any match stood out as one of those, like, you know, five star matches and I mentioned, you know, Athena versus, uh, Hamada. And I believe I mentioned this one, uh, Shingo versus Akira Tozawa. And when I was there live, and I don't know how it came off, I recorded it, but when I was there live, I was just blown away. It was just amazing wrestling from top to bottom, front to back, side to side. It was just mind blowing. <laughs> it was just a, isn't an, that a, great when you're, when you're at a live show and you just get a total wrestling mind explosion of awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. And it was fantastic. And just the, and I don't know if you guys could like see it at the end of the match when they finally counted one, two, three, how everybody just bolted out the doors. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I, I don't I thought they were actually all like jumping out of their seats to start cheering, but no, they were jumping out of their seats to get the hell out of there. Yeah, to get the hell out of there. And I'll have you know why. And I imagine you are aware of why. Because this was held on Sunday, uh, afternoon. I think, yeah, afternoon before WrestleMania. So they were jumping up and getting out there because I imagine they all had seats to WrestleMania. <laughs> they all had tickets <laughs> to WrestleMania. So they were, you know, obviously as soon as they counted one, two, three, bolted up out of the chairs and left. But that's not the thing to, to really keep an eye on. Think about the fact that, that they, they had tickets to WrestleMania. They could have left at any point before the end of that match. They could have left and at any point. And they were still point. there. But they were still there. And this match kept them from WrestleMania. Like, that kept them from hitting, you know, New Jersey traffic. That kept them from trying to beat the traffic to WrestleMania, try to get a good parking spot. That is sh- what should be the noted thing about this match. That's what Definitely I think speaks the volume. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, you know, Dragon Gate USA, Dragon Gate, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Dragon Gate proper. I believe, Sean, would you be interested in, uh, coming back and talking about Dragon Gate proper? Certainly. Yes. Cause I, I think that is a plan. We'll have, uh, another friend of ours will invite somebody else and we'll talk about Dragon Gate proper. And I'm excited. Uh, I think that's all there is to be said. 
Uh, Sean, what, where can we find you on the internet? What, uh, what are you up to? Uh, I think I am the internet. Um, uh, you can find me vicariously through DGM's Facebook. Uh, I go by the name of Sean McNamara, or also as stated, I am Evil Mog. You can find me at facebook.com slash Evil Mog. Yes. Uh, DGM, what's going on over at Delta Julia Mike nowadays? Oh, a whole bunch of crap. Uh, but what isn't crap is the fact that, uh, coming up next week, uh, is the finals, uh, of the International Anime League, uh, in which I am joined by Tom Merritt and Justin Robert Young, host of the seminal FSL Tonight, uh, on Dragon Sports Talk Radio. You'll, you'll see the final match, uh, and you'll get all of the thoughts from Tom and Justin, uh, about what they think of of the International Anime League and my little intro into the world of the IAL for them. So coming up next week uh, is the International Anime League Championship Round. Uh, of course, the Nanashi Anime Podcast just released our latest episode on Yomicon 2013 and a personal favorite anime of mine, Kino's Journey, mm-hmm. and shooting the shit with two nerdy black guys all on the interwebs. At DeltaJulietMike.com. And you know what? If you're out there and you think you can make me a website, at just call me DJM on the Twitter. Yes. At just call me DJM. Yes. Uh, and of course, I'm, I'm excited for the International Anime League finals. Uh, I know, I imagine you're excited to head out to Tokyo for that. Uh, I'm excited to head out because, you know, of course, I'm doing the, the scouting, uh, reports for Dragon uh, Sports Talk Radio. Uh, hopefully I'll have some, Nice stuff prepared, uh, going forward. Oh, it's a, it's gonna be, so, there's some young, great talent over there. And who knows who could get drafted to FSL tonight proper. But, if you want to check out Dragon Get USA, Dragon Get, uh, DGA, DGUSA.tv, WWNLive.com for the iPay-per-views, replays, and whatnot. You can find me, about.me slash PDRave, Twitter.com slash PD Rave. PD is in Williams. Rave is in Jimmy. If, if I'm on somewhere, you can find me with that name. Uh, you can follow the, you can check out this, uh, uh, podcast, all of our past episodes at fannypackwrestling.com. Uh, you can follow, you can check out rebelli.net. Check out all of our other shows. If you happen to be into K-pop, uh, we have a show called Haliujuku. Uh, I have joint custody of, uh, King Kaz with, uh, DJM here. I take him and we talk about uh, K-pop and, uh, Korean pop culture dramas and whatnot. Uh, spoiler for this week's topic. Uh, one of our topics is going to be which member of Girls' Generation corresponds to which member of the Wu-Tang Clan. So, get excited for that. Um, also check out the Record Breakers. We review, review music. Uh, we review an album. One of us brings an album for the rest of us to listen to and we talk about how we feel about that album. Exciting stuff. That is all for us. Until next time, I must go. Tamriel needs me. Talos guide you. Blood runs cold. This is the second time I've ended this show saying that. Move. Mm-hmm.